Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now our custom is to stand for the reading of the scripture on Sunday morning, but due to the length of my comments that I've got to keep in, uh, you know, I can have all the thoughts that I want to have as long as I get them in uh, by the proper time and uh, because we have to go off the air and we have to also close the service. So for sake of time, I want you to just listen, keep your Bible handy, watch the screens. I want to talk to you about something that God taught me in 1974. In 1974, as I was beginning to read the Bible through, uh, once again, moving into 1975, God began to do a work in my personal life through what I'm fixing to share with you. And from that, unbelievable things have happened in my life, in the life of the church that God has let me pastor for these 47 years, and in literally church groups around the world. Now, I want those of you to know right up front that I'm going to talk a little bit about money. So if you want to get up and leave right now, you can get up and leave before you hear it. But I want you to hear the truth from the one that owns everything. If you want to hear something that's not coming from Washington or from Austin or from City Hall or from the financial industry, if you want to know what the one says that says all that's in the heavens is mine, all that's in the earth is mine, and I have a plan for it, and those that find my plan will be blessed beyond measure in every area of the Christian life. So please listen. I want you to say the scripture with me today, if you would. It's brief, but I just want to make sure you're awake at this point in time because if you do go to sleep, at least you've heard what the New Testament says. I want to, to quote to you my father's favorite scripture, and if I've signed your Bible, I probably wrote Philippians 4.19. Say it with me. But my God, that's very weak, but my God, shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God said it, that settles it. I do not know what your need is today, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his way of doing it. If you do not learn one thing after becoming a Christian, you need to learn that you're more than a sinner saved by grace. You need to understand if you are a born-again Christian, not a church member, but a born-again Christian, that you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Some of you have said, I just wished I, my grandparents would have been rich and been able to give me all that money. 
Your father owns it all. He owns it all. Listen to me very carefully this morning. Every need is going to be met in your life if you're a child of God. Every prayer will be heard by God and will be answered. You say, oh, got you there already, preacher. I'm ready to get up and leave because I've already prayed and he hadn't answered. Oh, yes, he has. He said no. <laughs> Take your answer and run with it because he's got a better answer. You don't know what you need. He knows what you need, and he will supply that need. Whenever you become a believer, you're more than a sinner saved by grace. You become the executor, or a candidate, I should say, to be the executor of the will of God. Because you are a child of God, God wants to trust his riches to his children. For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. Second Corinthians, uh, Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of people whose heart is perfect toward him. Let me give you a definition of prosperity. Prosperity is having everything you need and the capacity to enjoy it. That's a lot more than money. You need a whole lot more things than money. Yes, we need love. He is love. We need peace. He's the Prince of Peace. We need joy. He's joy unspeakable and full of glory. We need patience. Be still and know that I am God. We need security. No one will pluck you out of my hand. You're my kids. You're my kids. Being prosperous is a whole lot more than having a lot of money. Could I quote to you some of the famous wealthy people that ever lived of yesteryear? Quote from W.H. Vanderbilt. The care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There's no pleasure in it. That was $200 million many years ago. We could talk into the billions, the Vanderbilt of fortune. John Jacob Astor, I am the most miserable man on this earth. Quote, John D. Rockefeller, I have made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Andrew Carnegie, Wealthy people seldom smile. Henry Ford, I was happier when I was doing the job of a mechanic. Now these are wealthy men that did not discover that you can be wealthy and be happy and full of joy and all of those other things if you learn one thing that God has as a requirement. Solomon made a series of insightful insights uh, into life. He was a very intelligent man. He was a very powerful man. He was a very wealthy man. 
I want to read to you from the book of Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, verse 10. Listen to what the wise, wealthy Solomon said. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof? Saving the beholding of them with their eyes. The sleep of a laboring, laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth the son, and there is nothing in his hands. And he came forth of his mother's womb naked, shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hands. Could I just brief that for you real quick? Verse 10, he that loves silver will never be satisfied with silver. You know, let me explain it to you. The more, the ha more you have, the more you want. Verse 11, as goods increase, they're increased that eat them. Explanation, the more you have, the more that will come after them, including the United States government. Verse 11, but what benefit are they to the owner except to feast on them? Explanation of that. The more you have, the more you realize it does you no good. You just look at it if you don't learn what to do with it. Verse 12, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Explain to you. There's advantage of being poor. The more you have, the more you worry. Some of you didn't have to worry about locking your house today. You put a sign out front, attention all local burglars, I'm at church. Find anything in this house worth anything, we split it 50-50. I'll be back after the preacher gets through. <laughs> Listen to verse 13. There's an evil I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners, thereof to their own hurt. You can be hurt by holding on too tightly to what you have. Verse 14. Those riches perish through misfortune. Explanation. The more you have, the more you're going to lose. Verse 15, Now can a man come from his mother's womb? As he comes, he departs. He takes nothing from this labor that he can carry in his hand. Explanation, the more you have, the more you leave behind. Now here's the way Solomon summed it up. Listen to him in the second chapter of Ecclesiastes, verse 10. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. This is what he wrote before coming to that conclusion. Here's what he said about himself. Whatever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Wise people learn from other people's mistakes. Wise people look back at the incredible numbers of people that have great wealth and they lose their own soul. What does it profit a man, the Bible says, if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? 
Now let me ask you a question, my brothers and sister Christians. Why is it that so many Christians get trapped in the same trap that the world gets trapped in? Now they, don't, they have an excuse because they don't know any better. They were born in sin, they're living in sin, and they're going to die in their sin. But Christ in us is the hope of better understanding. We begin to realize as we look around and we watch the world line up to play the lottery and see that even the winners of the lottery, lives explode in front of their very face. And the rest are just losers immediately. But we don't get it. We just don't get it. There's got to be a key that opens all of this. There's got to be something that we could call a solution. Now, poverty doesn't bring any happiness either. I told you in 1974, God began to change my own life and that of my family. But too many of God's children never, never, never go to God's Word and learn how to handle what God owns. We just do not get there. We're content with getting the best advice that this world has to offer, read the best books that this world can produce, or see the best articles online that come every day to try to see how do I deal with silver, gold, stocks, real estate, commercial, rural land, you name it. And we never, never take the time to open God's Word. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best book on finances that's ever been written. There's none like it. It is so much farther than, than anything Warren Buffett will ever tell you. Anything Bill Gates would ever tell you about how to make money doesn't come close to what this book says. The Bible says that a man's life does not consist in what he has. A man's life consists in what God has. When it is used according to God's plan. Now, as I go on, you just keep this in mind. God has said all along, I will not withhold any good thing from the people that love me. I'm not going to make you suffer. Oh, I just want one. All my friends in my Bible study class got one, and I want one so bad, I'm just going to die. No, I'm just going to quit going to the Bible study class because I'm such an embarrassment. The way I look. Hold on. God's way are higher than man's ways. God's plan is for everybody. I'm here to tell you that the amount of money you make in this life, whether you inherit it, earn it, win a lottery, or anything else you do, will have zero effect on your future happiness and joy and peace. Zero. What you have to do is stop and ask yourself this question. Who is in charge? God's word in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 has a nine-fold cluster of fruit love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness and temperance now I want you to go home and get those nine things write them down and uh, every one of them comes to you by what I'm fixing to tell you very simply the more you love the more love you're going to receive the more patient you are with other people, the more patient people are going to be with you. God 
word is so clear. I'm going to give you five things. These five things. Write them down on your Bible. Write them down on your credit card. Write them down on the back of the hand of whoever you're sitting by and ask them what their address is and you can call them this afternoon and, and write them down on something else. But these are five simple things that if you have a 2020 IQ, you're going to be able to handle this, all right? Number one, God owns all the wealth of this world and the world to come. God owns all the wealth of this world and the world to come. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10, listen to these words. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You reign over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. That's worth a hallelujah. Glory to God. Just think about it, folks, when you watch that stock market drop 100 points, 200 points. You go, oh, all my savings. What am I going to do? And Social Security only gave me so much. And, and, you know, all I have is my Social Security. And I get up every morning and I pray, Our Father who art in Washington, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> thy kingdom come if I vote right. You know what I'm talking about. We're absolutely silly, folks, if we're Christians and we know God owns everything. He will not withhold anything you need. He will supply your need. But you have to understand, God's way is different from our way. It is for most of your lives. It was at one time different in my life. I used to think that the tithe belonged to the Lord. And the biggest question people would ask me, you tithe on the gross or you tithe on the net? Well, if you want a net blessing, you tithe on the net. If you want a gross blessing, you tithe on the gross, if you want to get technical about it. But when you understand that you don't own anything, God owns everything. If you don't believe that, let your heart quit beating. You'll see how quickly you don't have it anymore. We're stewards all through the Bible. God says, I got the resources. I'm looking for the stewards. I'm looking for people that understand how God works instead of the way the world works. Well... There's a good Bible question, isn't there? If God owns it all, why does the devil control it all? Same reason the giants controlled the promised land until a few people got enough faith to go take it away from them. Read the story in the Old Testament. Yeah, this world is managing an incredible amount of wealth. But in the over till it's not over till it's over. When God's people become a people of faith instead of a people trying to live like the world and act like the world and look like the world and do what the world does and become heirs of God and join heirs with Jesus Christ, that's called revival. And just like that, things can turn around. Some of God's children get real upset with other of God's children that have a good time giving away God's wealth. <laughs> it's kind of interesting when siblings 
go to the reading of the will, and they start fighting over it real quickly. I'm sure the same thing is true in the church. You see, we're all heirs of God, and a lot of us are having a good time using God's money. You say, well, part of that's mine because I'm a Christian too. I got baptized right over there in that baptistry. Well, why aren't you happy? Why aren't you a positive person instead of a negative person? Why haven't you come to the point in your life when you can just understand God is going to take care of me? Not Medicare. God's going to take care of me. And I'm going to trust him to take care of me. And until, and God knows whether you're trusting him or whether you're trusting the system. And as long as you're trusting the system, and our system is get all you can, can all you get, sit on a can and poison the rest. And we believe that the more things we can accumulate, the more happy we will become. The Bible says just the opposite, and those that have lived that kind of life have said amen and amen to the Bible. I had it all. The Vanderbilts, the Astors, the Rockefellers. I had it all. But look what happened. Now, if you don't believe that, you're not going to believe the rest of what I'm fixing to tell you. If you don't believe that God owns it all, if you believe that you own it, it's my paycheck, it's my money, it's my bank account, it's my portfolio, if you believe that, you're right where the world is. If you believe that God's not waiting for a vote here on earth, he's already voted up there. And there's only three votes, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're already voted and you know what he says? I change not. God is looking for people that he can flow his wealth through because he owns it all. Now, if you need more proof of that, Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him are all things created that are in heaven and are in the earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. And by him all things consist. That's the New Testament. Hebrews, New Testament, but the book of Hebrews. First chapter, God who at sundry times in various manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. God owns it all. Scripture is clear. Number two, God wants his wealth in circulation. That's where some of you have dropped out. Some of you know when you look in the mirror, if I ever get a dollar, it'll go out of circulation when it comes to me. Again, I'm going to get all I can and save all I can. Don't talk to me about giving. Don't talk to me about helping others. Don't talk about me about sharing my stuff. I got my stuff insured, and I take better care of my stuff than those people that borrow my stuff. And I just want to make sure that I have some good stuff to put in the garage sale next year. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he... He what? 
He kept his only begotten son in heaven in order that they could fellowship together with all the mansions. Is that what that says? Why did he give his son? In order that, what? Whosoever believeth in him would not, what? Perish, but have, what? Everlasting life. God gave us one son and got a millions of them. Because that's what heaven's going to be all about. We're going to fellowship around the throne of God. God sent one son, his only son, in order to receive many sons and daughters into his kingdom forever and forever. God wants his power to be revealed to the world through his church, the body of Christ, and through the members of the church who are the blood-bought saints of God, individually and collectively. Individually, we're to be very sensitive to the needs of everybody we come in contact with. We should never go in a restaurant without thinking, does this waitress or this waiter need a little additional other than a 5%, 10%, 15%, 20 or whatever? Is there somebody that lives on my block or someone in my immediate family that is really going through some tough times right now that maybe I could share something with? Is there some way that God has given me a little extra, a little unexpected, and God wants me to be the one for some reason, and God says, you be faithful all the little and I can give you much, but I'm checking you out on the little. Let me tell you something, my friend. If you make minimum wage and you don't give God something, don't expect God to give you millions. You say, well, it changed me. No, it wouldn't. It'd just make you a bigger thief. You rob God of a dollar, why wouldn't you rob him of a million? And you know, you didn't give when you made minimum wage and you don't give now, but when you made a lot. And I'm not talking about to, to Sagemont Church, all right? For those of you watching on television, I hope I have time to get to this. I try to touch it quite often. I'm so sick and tired of watching television, all these preachers, that if you send me a dollar and God will give you a thousand. You know, I don't, I don't believe that. That's not biblical. But I'll tell you one thing. You do with it what God wants done with it, and I guarantee you God will bless you. But you know what? It won't be to make you look good with your money. It'll be to make God look good. That's the big difference. When you come to that point when you say, God, I want people to see you in me. And I'm going to go about it. When I find somebody is hurting, I'm going to help that person. And I'm not going to worry about whether it's tax deductible or not. I'm just going to give of my time and my talents and my substance. Number two, God wants his wealth in circulation. Now, I'm going to get back to something. Number three is all of God's wealth belongs to his children. All of it. All of it belongs to his children. Go to, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. It shall come to pass, if you'll hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all of his commandments which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. 
Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall, you, shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be your basket and your store. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come out against you one way, flee before you seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessings upon you in the storehouse and all you set your hand unto. He'll bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you a holy people for himself or unto himself as he has sworn unto you. If you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God, walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and watch out and they shall be afraid of you. When's the last time you saw the government afraid of the church? We've got the power to take the money away from the government and give it to the church, and you see how we help poor people if we ever get it and do with it what God wants done with it. You will never find this church short on giving to the poor. We'll take the close-up test before you just go out and start shouting on the mountaintops. I don't understand why they built that cross out there. You come in, and I'll show you the results. I have in my hand the, the budget we'll vote next week. You add up the money going to missions compared to any megachurch in America, it's over 24 or 5%. Why? Because we owe no man anything. Because 40 years ago, this church changed. The people changed. And the givers changed. And God has allowed us to reach out and touch the world. God wants it in circulation. He does not want it to build up my net worth, my net worth, my net worth, my net worth, my net worth. Well, he ain't going to help you any. I have a great time with my wife. I've learned from the funeral home down here that everybody leaves at least $1,500. So we want to go out and eat and spend $100 one night. We just go spend $100. I write the kids and thank them for the meal. I said, I was going to leave you $1,500. I'm going to leave you $1,400 now. And we ate for free tonight. And man, you can enjoy it and light another candle. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to accumulate stuff to leave behind. I just want God to trust me with more that I can bless others with. When you get your family Bible today, if you're our guest, that is a gift of love to you because some of you will never see you again. But the word will not return void. And no, there's not an envelope in it. And for those of you that watch on television, you call in and no one is going to ask you for a pledge or a promise or anything else. And there's no minimum fee to get whatever we're giving away today. We are here to give, not to get. You don't see any offering plates coming up and down these aisles. You don't sign any pledge cards at Sagemont Church. Why? Because our God supplies his need through the lives of those that walk with him in obedience to his command and says, Lord, if you need it, I'll write the check. Just flow it through me. That's the secret of the church. That's the reason we're a happy people. We just enjoy seeing people, lives touched by the love of God in our generation. Well, I, when I read that, I know you said, if you're a Bible student, well, you know, you read that out of Deuteronomy, which that's Old Testament. That was for the Jews. Let me tell you, my dear sweet friend, if you're born again, you're a Jew too. <laughs> you have been adopted into the family. You have been chosen into the family, so to speak, all right? A lot of people think somebody has to pay retail, so God made Gentiles. 
when we're born again, we're in the family. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Don't ever forget whose kid you are. When somebody says, who do you think you are? You say, I'm a child of the king. I'm an heir of God and joint heir with Jesus Christ. Thanks to his grace and mercy, Jesus, his only son, died on the cross for my sin. Wow, what a blessing. Galatians 3, even as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. Know you therefore that they which are of the faith, the same are the children of Abraham. 13th verse, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. And verse 29 says, If you're Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and your heirs according to his promise. Over and over and over and over again in the word of God. Quickly, two more. The key to giving, I mean to receiving or getting, is giving. But now listen to me carefully. No, no, no. Not getting, not the dollar for, for the ten. But the, the simple truth is, listen to Luke six thirty eight. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it will be measured to you again. The secret to receiving is becoming a giver. And being a giver is to look at the world as Jesus sees the world and as God sees the world and as the Holy Spirit directs you to see the world and through those things you're able to enjoy life unspeakable and full of glory. God always pays great dividends for those that invest their life in his work. Don't you think for a moment, you say, I've been, I've been teaching Sunday school for 35 years, never received a dime for it. Oh, yes, you have. Well, I don't remember getting a check from the church. Wait to get to heaven. The Lord will show it to you. He'll remind you of that blessing you got. He'll remind you of that, that shock that came to you one day when you opened a check and you heard that you weren't a Rockefeller, but you were married to a Jones or a Smith that had a few dollars and or you made that investment, you bought that stock and didn't even know how to spell stock. You thought that was that the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo was something about the stock market, you know. You didn't know what to do. But all of a sudden, God just blessed you in order that you could have, hey, by the way, don't worry about nice things. God likes nice things. You know what he says about heaven? He says, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what God's got in store for those that love him. There's a mansion over the hillside. In my Father's house are many duplexes <laughs> many mansions but you know what right down here God just says the happy people are the giving people the people that are full of joy are the people that give joy to others the people that are the most loved people in Sage Mott Church are the most loving people in Sage Mott Church and that's true wherever you might go to church God's physical universe works together to make God look good and not itself. Flowers, sun, moon, stars, beautiful birds. Beautiful. But they bring glory to the Creator. How did God put all those feathers on that pheasant? How did God put all those feathers on that peacock? 
How in the world did God do that? Kind of makes him look good, don't it? Science can't figure it out. They're no closer to figuring it out than they were 2,000 years ago. And whatever they're saying today, they'll change in 10 years. There's no fact of science. Science changes all the time. But God doesn't change. He never changes. So I'm going to give you some homework as you go home. I know you wanted that. It's a little bit premature for you to start writing checks because you say that would be the last thing I'll ever do. You know, you might get a little by time. You might get a little handshake every once in a while, and a little word and a look and a touch, but don't start that pocketbook stuff. That's okay. That's okay. God can get by without your money that you're handling. He's had to this point, hasn't he? Yeah. And he will continue to do so. And, and so when you just clam up and get mad and write me an email, I don't worry about it because God will bless somebody else if he wants it. But it's not give the church saying, hey, give it all to us and God will bless you. No, 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 no. You give it to the Lord and God will bless the church and God will bless you and God will bless the need because my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So as you go, here's your homework assignment. If you're so busy today, you just don't have time to do anything. You can't come on Wednesday night, you can't do it. I'm just so busy since I retired. I am so busy, I just don't have time to do anything. Give some time away. Just for anything. PTA, go read to the kids at elementary school. Go hold a stop sign up on the corner. Do something and see if you don't have more time. When you, when you want something done, what do you do? You ask somebody that's busy, don't you? They seem to always have the time. Here's some more. When you get discouraged, why don't you encourage somebody? Instead of going around looking for somebody that will weep with you today, why don't you just go rejoice with somebody? Or why don't you encourage somebody? That's hurting today. See how encouraged you get by doing that. If you're sick, pick up the phone today. Call MD Anderson Hospital and say, could I talk to anybody up there? This, this phone line is open. And just say, you don't know me. And I don't know you personally, but I got a God that knows me and knows you. And I know you wouldn't be in that bed if you weren't sick today. And I just want to pray for you. Would you let me do that? I'll tell you what, you'll feel so good you probably run around the house about three or four times. You say, I had this much energy in so long. Again, we don't want to get to the money too quick. <laughs> we would not dare, so just test it. Nobody loves me. I was in the hospital and nobody came to see me. Did you go to see anybody in the hospital the last five years? Well, no, but what does that have to do with it? It has a whole lot to do with it. A whole lot to do with it. My last thing, don't give from your apparent resources. Give from God's actual resources. Some of you say, I'm too old to do whatever. Too old for what? You're going to live forever. Oh, you don't know that? That's another sermon. I'm not going to go into that sermon. Right, just trust me. You're going to live forever. Come to singing this Wednesday night. You'll probably hear some kind of a song, you know. God going to love me forever, eternal, everlasting, so forth and so on. If you feel like, you know, I'm getting old now, I could drop dead any day. Start serving the Lord. Convince him he can't do without you. He may extend your life 15 more years. We don't know. None of us knows what another day is going to bring. But what you want to do, don't give out of your mind. Give out of your heart from a revelation from God. I just close by giving you this illustration. Every giving experience ought to be a worship experience.
Whatever you've got today, if you're carrying 50 cents in your pocket, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Maybe you've got some money you're going to go out to eat today. Why don't you drink water and give the normal tip to the waitress and give what you'd have paid for the iced tea to the waitress and see what God does to provide a good afternoon's nap for you. You see, what, what you have to do is you have to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? If, if you hold up your paycheck, say, look, God, I got a bonus. What should I do? And he says, go to Disney World and take all your Ken folks and your pastor. <laughs> Book it. <laughs> no, seriously, folks. Don't start this mathematical stuff. God doesn't use calculators. Don't start that gross and net 10%, 8%. It all belongs to God. And whatever he wants to do with it, do it to the glory of God. And you watch what happens. You watch what happens. Don't you keep records and say, God, I think, you know, do you remember what I gave last week? I rounded my tithe off to the next dollar. <laughs> but I didn't see my light bill do anything but go up. <laughs> well, he might say till you get to heaven, yeah, but I saved you from not having to, to pay the mortician because you was fixing to have a heart attack. <laughs> and your light bill's cheaper than burying you for your widow. You say, preacher, you're crazy. Sage my church, you're crazy. That's what most churches think. Just don't bother us. Just don't bother us, okay? Pray for us. Say, y'all crazy. Don't borrow money. You're crazy doing that financial freedom seminar. And by the way, the people need it the most. This will be about my 57th or 8th time to teach at Sage Mott. So far, the people need it the most. I've been their pastor for all these years. Hadn't come yet. They're still too busy. They still got prior appointments. They got the polecat, mooses, hoot owls are meeting on that night or something. And they struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. And so I just don't get it. And I'm not going to learn anything different. I'm just going to do it the way the world and my financial advisor tells me. Thank God for one of the things I'll teach you is find godly financial advisors, insurance people that know God and know God's word and they can join together and God can bless you through them. Well, <clears throat> I was going to close, but i got to give you one more. But it'll be quick. For my Catholic friends. Most of my Catholic friends claim Peter. I want to claim him as a Baptist. Mark 10, 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all to follow you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that's left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, and persecutions in this world, but in the world to come, eternal life. Peter said, I can just hear him at the stewardship meeting. Oh, Lord, I've left all to follow you. We've moved into a smaller house and got an older car. And God says, would you shut up? <laughs> Peter, you make me sick. He says, I will reward you 100 times in this world as well as in the world to come. If you'll just learn, Peter, 
Even though some people think you're the first pope. I personally don't think so, but some people do. You need to learn it. God owns it all. It all belongs to us. The way to have it is to give it. Get it all in circulation, and whatever God says, do, do it. If he says do nothing, do nothing. And anything above that, do it to the glory of God. Now, salvation the same way. Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. Jesus has paid it all. You don't have to get free salvation, free baptism, plus $200 a month for the rest of your life. No. It's all paid for by the blood on Calvary. Father, I pray you'll bless us now. As we get prepared for Bible study, the next worship hour, churches around the world are worshiping today. There will be tens of thousands of people that on different continents that will come to you. But Lord, I pray that somehow in the midst of theology, personal experience, and what others have told us, that we'll get back in your word and understand that you've promised to meet our every need according to your riches in glory that are waiting to be bestowed upon those who will use those to the glory of God. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.